Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape of marketing and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Kantar. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. So today... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today we're talking about radio, what it means for brands and how audio and podcasts are changing the landscape. So our guest today is the lovely Matt Deegan, who is a number of different things. He's director of Folder Media, which is a a radio and new media consultancy. He's also the station manager of children's radio station Fun Kids, and he set up the British Podcast Awards. Thanks for joining us, Matt. So I'm going to start with a broad question. Are people still listening to the radio? So radio has never had as many listeners as it does today uh, in broadcast terms. Uh, It has 90% of the country listen to some form of radio each week. On average, they listen to 20 hours a week, which is a billion hours of radio going into people's ears. So it's definitely a medium that uh, people are engaged with uh, uh, across all age groups. That's a lot of people and a lot of hours. So that, that's that's in the UK alone. Do you see that pattern in, in other countries as well? So most European countries, uh, in Australia as well, and actually in America, 90%, it kind of comes out in most areas in lots of different methodologies as well. And radio consumption is particularly strong in countries where there is a public service broadcasting tradition, so uh, European countries, and that's they tend to have been around a long time, they're very high quality, and that tends to make commercial radio have to work harder too, because um, you've got you've got tough competition. When you're talking about people listening to radio, is it just old people? So um, young, there's always a question about are young people listening to the radio, and the answer is yes. Actually, over the ten year, the last ten years, uh, the reach figure, so that the percentage of young people, 15 to 24, as I'm thinking about here, um, actually has stayed pretty static. It's maybe down a few percentage points, but no real change. But where is the difference is the amount of radio they consume, and that has um, dropped about a third over the last 10 years and uh, seems to be going in that direction and some people worry and fret about that I mean partly I think it's a bit of a realignment so if you think about uh, even in the 90s late 90s no broadband internet uh, very little digital television uh, no mobile phones if you wanted 
free music entertainment. The radio was the only place to get it. Um, clearly, that is not the case now. Uh, and so I don't think it's a great surprise that young people split their time among a variety of different devices. I think what's interesting, though, is that radio stays part of that mix, still a relatively strong part of that mix. And I think the challenge maybe for, for broadcasters, traditional radio broadcasters, is if they want to reach those audiences, how do they use the variety of platforms that um, listeners are consuming uh, to get those, those, that content to those places and, and those people? So how, how do radio stations and broadcasters do that in a fairly sort of cash-strapped environment if they're trying to appeal to all audiences on all platforms? Isn't that a bit difficult? Well, I think, that the, I think some of the success of radio in, in the past 10 years has been the brandification of radio. So radio historically was, in commercial radio terms, a local medium. And then the BBC ran its four national networks, you know, one, two, three, and four. Um, the shift we've seen is big brands like uh, Capital and Heart and Absolute and Kiss, uh, either uh, occupying the space previously uh, owned by local radio stations. At the same time, we've seen a huge amount of consumption in digital radio in the UK, which has allowed those stations, those branded stations, to be nationwide. And I think it's made the radio product sexier. And you look at the work that Capital does on the Jingle Bell Ball and the Summertime Ball and the celebrity access they have. And they're an aggressive multi-platform radio station uh, on YouTube, on their website, on mobile. And the same for, for audio too, you know, these actually these brands are quite well attuned to delivering media in different ways. Then you look at the BBC and particularly Radio 4 and Radio 5, you know, they've jumped into podcasting hugely because they make great speech content. You know, music is difficult in podcasts um, and so 4 and 5 have all this speech and they partly redeveloped it, redesigned it and redistributed what they broadcast but are also now making a lot of podcast-specific content. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, it takes their own skill uh, and their production resource and uh, their experience, uh, and then they're creating material that's more attuned to a podcast market. Um, and I think what you often find in podcasts, uh, you know, the radio forms have been fairly similar over the years. You know, if we were going to have this as a radio interview, it'd probably last four minutes, uh, and um, we wouldn't really get to the nub of it. And if it was a more contentious issue, there'd be somebody on the other side uh, arguing, and then someone with the state programme would go, thank you, and they'd play a, a news bulletin or do something. Uh, whereas actually with, with podcasts, we can, we can go... Uh, deeper and you know the audience for this uh, have shown they have some interest before they hit play you know they probably subscribe to something and they press the play button as well which means that we can have a, a longer form discussion about a topic and that's a different thing and I think radio is learning that a little bit uh, and what the best platforms for that access is. In the podcasting world you've got sort of that radio-esque element to it it's audio but you've now got a less formulaic approach, or at least there, there's scope for kind of anything, and long form or longer form. Uh, so do you think that those sort of uh, aspects are in some sense what's helping keep this in some sense a timeless media, making it appealing to younger audiences or different types of audiences, or are there some other aspects to consider as well? So audio sort of describes what it is, but I think the mediums are quite different. So if you think you know, radio is often about you know, people are coming in at different times. They're coming in and they're leaving at different points. And so a lot of radio is designed to cope with that. 
So that's why you might go to a break and then you'll reset it. Oh, joining me uh, here are uh, Andrew and Jane. Uh, and that's a, a, a radio function because some new people have just come in. And the same way, you're always promoting ahead, saying, oh, still to come is something else. If you don't quite like this, don't worry, there's something along later. Mm. And that's designed because radio tends to be a lean back medium. It's on in the background, people coming in and out. With a podcast, that's very different. You know, they've decided to choose something. Uh, and then when they've chosen it, they're then deciding to play. And also they're listening from the beginning. You know, we don't have to stop halfway through and reset this podcast because, well, I've just been listening for 20 minutes. I don't need you to remind me who the guests are because I've been listening to it. So I think the, the, the form is a bit different. And I think that gives us lots of opportunities. So if you think of radio as an audio, you know, the skill being audio content, suddenly the evolution of podcasts means that they can deliver that skill in a different way. But you know, functionally in the same way that a Facebook post is different to a tweet, uh, it's different to a blog post, I think it's the same in audio too, you know, what you do in broadcast radio versus podcast is different. I mean, also, I think there is this bit about, you know, radio versus Spotify, you know, Spotify is you choosing your songs and radio is someone else choosing your songs. Now, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, you know, oh, they choose terrible music, I hate it, I just want to hear what I want to hear, that's why I listen to Spotify. Or you go the other way, which is, how do I find out new music? You know, I listen to Hugh Stevens because he plays me things that I can't find or I don't know how to start with finding on Spotify or you know music radio means that you don't have to playlist or you don't have to choose you know if you listen to Capital they will just play 150 songs a week but they're the current songs uh, and whenever you tune in you're going to hear them you know it fulfills a slightly different different function suddenly podcasting has the audience and again this is about device so you know the success of podcasts particularly came from you know Apple putting a podcast button on an iPhone. Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time, people like, what's that? They press that, and suddenly it's free audio entertainment. And, you know, we're used to free audio entertainment in radio. And so suddenly it's, you press that button, and it brings up things you've sort of heard about, um, or new things, or things I'm interested in, all these mainstream uh, hits. Uh, and that's an easy way in. And I think that's probably the, the thing which has helped popularize podcasts, is there's this one button that sits there on devices. So it's interesting that you say that, Apple putting a button on something, because Apple also put a button on the iPhone that says news. Mm. And, and I, I, you know, as you've been uh, talking about sort of this new and, and um, kind of continuing world of, of radio, I keep trying to compare it back to other sort of older types of media, so print, for example, mm. newspapers. And, you know, Apple puts the news button there, and all of a sudden people can get access to news through that instead of buying newspapers, mm. magazines and everything else. So it seems to have been a, a substitute for that media channel, whereas it doesn't seem to be the case for, for radio, which I think is kind of intriguing. So maybe we can explore that. Yeah, so, uh, so radio's ongoing success is a combination of luck and judgment. So let's not say it's all <laughs> some great, well thought out um, bunch of geniuses. So historically, radio has always been a bit of a virus. So started off those big sets and every blooming presentation I've seen, there's some black and white photo of a massive radio, isn't there? And people <laughs> sitting around it. I'm not sure anyone's done that, even then particularly. Uh, but so what happened? So you, you had that as a device. Then you had a transistor radio. So this idea that you could listen under your bed sheets. Then in the car. Oh, you speak know, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and then suddenly the car radio. So you know, the car was not, a, was not a radio device. You know, radio adopted a place where consume, what consumers were in. Um, and similarly, you know, television. You know, radio is on the television. On mobile phones, radio is on the mobile phones. It was always adopted other people's platforms. You know, podcasting was quite uh, technology focused. Radio adopted this thing, this other thing that, 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 that people developed. So it's always done a bit of that. I think 
where you know for, for newspapers their big issue was particularly around classified advertising you know that was the start of the end you know a lot of newspapers were funded not by news but by small ads and that sort of disassociation with the product is probably the the reason that they're still having trouble now you know turns out the best way to cope with spot with um, classified ads was not a daily or weekly printed <laughs> device you know a media uh, and so when the technology came along it replaced all of that um, I think for radio from a broadcast perspective light and licenses there's always been a limited number of radio stations so you haven't been able to have new entrants that um, the other media have had so and then as we've gone forward we've been lucky in that the radio industry itself I think recognised that you know FM capacity was limited, and for commercial radio to grow, it needed its own broadcast digital platform. This is still in the 90s now, so its development of DAB was just about trying to be more competitive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And it's kind of gradual success now. And you've got to remember now that less than 50% of radio is consumed on AM and FM. And the vast majority of that other 50% is DAB. 70% of all digital listening is through, through DAB, broadcast digital radio. So the, the radio evolved its product. So you went from markets having kind of 15 radio stations you know to now on my bedside I have 80 radio stations on my DAB radio so the product innovated as consumers desire for choice changed now that was driven by the internet and by people you know, using by people suddenly coming across more media and then wanting it from all of their platforms and you know telly's done a pretty good job of evolving their broadcast product be it satellite or cable or freeview radio again it evolved its own product so now in in an internet world where there aren't barriers to entry it's meant that radio has kept hold of its audience pretty much and it's and it's developed the new products you know internet radio as a thing um doesn't exist pretty much in the UK so there are no internet radio stations of any scale that could be judged a business and that's not because you couldn't launch one or someone can do a good job of it but the issue is that the consumption of, of radio content is still driven by broadcast platforms so AM FM DAB digital telly your know, internet and mobile accounts for uh, less than 20% of all radio consumption um you know it less radio is consumed on the internet than is just consumed in the car um so there's a huge there's kind of a huge difference so so radio's had this success of evolving its platform and evolving its product now the question is uh, the the that there's 20 hours that people listen to uh, is that going to flip to internet or mobile and there's no evidence it has 
and always going to. And it feels mad to kind of argue against the internet. You know, the internet has come and crushed most things, but none of the data kind of points particularly in that direction. Now, that's all very, that all seems very pro-radio, you know, the device, very pro-radio. I think its issue is internet and mobile is not a device you want to listen to the radio on. So, you know, the mobile phone has a lot of other stuff going on, whether that's YouTube or, or other things. And I think our, our broadcast streamed linear product is not one that particularly suits mobile internet world. So let's talk a bit about how brands are starting to um, change their attitude towards um, audio uh, and radio. So whereas traditionally they've you know been doing 20, 30 second ads mm. spots on, on radio stations. Tell us about some of the things that are starting to do more broadly with audio. So brands have always been involved in you know in radio sort of right from the beginning and soap operas from soap powders the spot ad uh, and then probably the last sort of 15 years sponsorship and promotions on commercial radio and that's always been you know the brands want to feel closer to customers or have a input into the creative. You know, regulation still causes us sometimes an issue in broadcast media with um, how closely you integrate, whereas a lot of the digital platforms, you haven't got that regulation. But often what the brands are buying into on the radio end is the audience reach and the trust. So, no, you can't do exactly what you want, but the reason you're paying this premium is you're speaking to an audience that are engaged through the radio station. What some brands are, are, are seeing is the ability to take a little bit more control uh, with podcasts and on demand. Um, it's definitely not an easy thing to achieve. And, you know, branded content uh, is tough to do well. Um, there's a, a, one of our winners this year at the British Podcast Awards was Land Rover Discovery. And they did a really a sort of radio drama podcast uh, that was binaural, which means you sort of heard sound from 360 degrees. Uh, and it was all about a journey. And so, they were in a four by four as they were doing it. And it wasn't a, a hard sell, but it was trying to describe how they thought about their product in a, uh, and the thing was labeled, you know, Land Rover Discovery Adventures. Um, and that's different and that's hard. And they, they spent a decent amount of money doing a good job, but then people adopted it like they adopt other podcasts. So our company makes the podcast for, uh, for Love Island uh, with our, our colleagues from a, a company called Rubber Chicken. And what we've, found with with Love Island is it's one an amazing brand to, to work with you know this is a, a program that really is at the peak of its interest mm -hmm. so it's very easy to assemble a podcast around that but we're reflecting the excitement that the audience have in fact they want to talk about it after an episode and and the show is designed to be a breakfast show it's designed to be there when people wake up um, and I think it's one of the first proper mainstream podcast and it's had quite a bit of success yeah it seems like there's sort of two general ways to do this and i'm curious what what's generally better one could be a brand has their own podcast which, mm. which we spoke of or brands essentially advertise on mm. podcasts as a sponsor or, or that sort of more conventional approach um do, do you sort of see sort of general variances here in terms of what works better or worse or is it kind of a not a one-size-fits-all approach uh it's there's never a there's never a golden magic bullet is there um i think on, on podcasts what we've seen is the two main advertisers the two kind of main advertising formats are the 30-second ads, still knocking around, mm -hmm. still doing quite well, uh, and then also that the, the host-read uh, endorsement. And I think on a premium basis, and this has been the same for radio for time memoriam, isn't it? You know, it's great getting that presenter to engage with, with the brand. And 
that's something which, particularly in the UK, so Audio Boom and Acast, two companies that um, deliver advertising solutions for podcasters, uh, and uh, live reads versus 30 second spots. They're very happy to sell both. I think you know it's easy to knock the spot. You know what the spot does is it does reach and frequency very well. You know you can make mm-hmm. some creative. It can go to lots of people. I think with podcasts you can be a bit more targeted. Um, so you can go on one side on the programmatic level. So a lot of the podcast networks will allow you to do programmatic buying um, and that's you know based on IP addresses and location and it doesn't matter what the content is con- the ads delivered um, or actually just targeting groups of podcasts I know both Acast and Audio Boom do elements of this you know who are their football podcasters let's if it's a male 2544 message actually in that environment can work very well so I think you've, you've got those things I think good integrations are always are always successful we know in the radio land sponsorship and promotions can can really cut through um, and we haven't really seen that in podcasts you know host read or ads have been very ad driven there haven't been lots of very creative integrations I think there's lots of opportunities I think particularly as you know FMCG brands come into podcasting um, and bigger brands are coming into podcasting because the audiences are growing I think we'll see a much bigger evolution and for the Love Island podcast you know, Kellogg's are the, are the main partner with that and I believe that's their first podcast that they've been involved with uh, and they've you know and they've got in with the big mainstream one to reach large audiences like they would with their other advertising campaigns now I see why it's a breakfast uh, podcast ah yes ah. Uh. though of course you can have a bottle of Kellogg's cornflakes at any time of the day <laughs> so we know that good advertising campaigns or content campaigns need to be customized for the Mm. channel or the platform but they also need to be well integrated Mm. so how in in your experience how should brands approach these different opportunities in radio and audio production how do they make sure they've got something that's coherent and consistent going through the whole campaign i think it's like a hybrid of dealing with influencers versus dealing with broadcasters and it has the pros and cons of both Uh, I think the best advertising on podcasts is where it totally fits the podcast. I mean, back to that authenticity discussion, it's fine for the presenter to go, I've been sent these headphones. And, you know, the people who listen to podcasts are upmarket consumers. They understand what advertising is and that people have been paid to do these things. Um, But actually, that that presenter then saying, and they're the best headphones I've had, truly. You know, people will believe that, and it should be true as well. You know, they will believe that messaging because... They might have listened to 40 or 50 episodes. You know, that's 40, 50 hours of connection with this, this host or this group of people. Shifting gears, I want to think about the future here. So I guess, admittedly, as a bit of a, a novice in thinking about radio, and, and I was constantly wondering, oh, you know, this is just right for disruption. Maybe it's being disrupted. Uh, I think you've convinced me otherwise. But there still could be something on the horizon. And I wonder if, if we think of radio consumption as we're listening while we're doing other things, mm. while we're driving. Yep. So let's suppose when I'm driving, I would be able to use my eyes not to look at the road, but to look at a screen and watch mm. video because self-driving Absolutely, cars. Absolutely, yep. So is, is, is that something looming on the horizon for the radio industry that we should be thinking of? Yeah, I, mean, I think definitely. I mean, you shouldn't be naive about the way the world's changing and going. Um, and I, it's sort of harking back to a bit of what I said. Uh, radio's been lucky to spread virus-like. So listening, at, so 50% of listening is at home. Uh, and that is an environment where there are lots of other things going on, but it is a, a background medium. Cars, work. I think podcasting has re-enabled on the move. Radio isn't a great 
on the move uh, platform but there's there's threats from other people coming in, in into the area so i think you've got to concentrate on the product so what are you making so i think we've just about managed to keep evolving our product both bbc and commercial radio to keep up with consumer change so we've got to keep doing that and making sure you know radio has always been about research and what audiences want uh, and tracking behavior and it's got to keep investing in that Absolutely. I think then it's definitely got to think about platforms uh, and where consumers are and why are they using things. You know, there's a bit about mood state uh, and what job radio does in that. And to follow the, you know, follow the consumer. I mean, I think that's the key for, for all media. And where, where things go wrong is where media brands or, or platforms think about themselves and don't think about, you know, what's enabling for consumers you know the we've seen you know, in success of netflix you know it's just you know it's television it's watching programs but it's ad free it's on demand and it's premium content uh, and it's spending more money than the broadcasters are you know that's what's really disrupted telly um and for radio we've seen a go at that you know apple have launched a internet radio global internet radio station called beats one that's really good really great listen but actually even with what they're doing the distribution hasn't been right because again the mobile phone is not the perfect place for a linear radio station it might be for on demand but not for linear so radio has to kind of keep evolving i mean i think youth is is definitely a, a concern um what we see with our children's radio station you know fun kids um kids are engaged with radio when you make some content for them you know we're doing that and bbc do a little bit of that you know, teenage, there isn't really a teenage radio station anymore. You know, Capital and Kiss definitely cover off some of that, but they're a bit broad. But if we want all audiences to be engaged in, in linear broadcast radio, we have to make some products for them and not just wring our hands like, oh, why don't they do what we used to do in the past? I think it's easy for people sometimes to be like, when would a 17-year-old buy a radio? Uh, I often hear that. And it's like, well, when does a 17-year-old buy a fridge, but they still use one every day? You know, there's a bit of, there's a bit of that too. So, and I, I've done things in schools where you go, do you listen to the radio? And there's not a huge amount of hands. It's like, do you listen to Nick Grimshaw? Oh, yeah, yeah, I have that on. And it, device versus medium, there's a, there's a bit of that. So you've got to make sure that our research is solid and we're understanding what it means too. I think that's important. Um, but yeah, got to keep an eye on youth particularly. I think radio might kind of go one or two ways. You know, a lot of radio success came from being middle of the road, the thing we can all agree on, you know, particularly in offices historically, you know, pre-headphones. Um, I think it will diversify and split a bit more. So... You know, more music. Some people say, oh, the Spotify is the end of, you know, capital and heart, you know, banging out the hits. Actually, I think the opposite. I think you can do more of that because I think if people want that environment of someone else choosing current pop records, even with a little bit of chatter in, actually radio does that, that pretty well. And then I think you go the other way of, of speech and focus stations um, too. So I think... Uh, like a lot of media, it will probably fragment more. The radio groups have been coping with that and launching broad stations and more fragmented radio stations, more niche stations. So they've got to kind of keep innovating in that, in that space and then doing stuff which isn't just broadcast radio. You've been listening to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.kantar.com or at sbs.oxford.edu. Thank you.